Thank you, Lord. I want to just share a little bit about what Megan was talking about, just so we kind of have a little bit of understanding. I really appreciate her opening that up. Uh, how, how many of you believe change is good once in a while? Amen. How many of you have ever changed the color in your house? Has anybody ever paint your house a different color? How many of you are glad you can change your clothes? Amen. You're glad you don't wear the same clothes. I mean, look at your spouse. I'm glad you change your clothes today. I mean, you know, change is important, amen? Whether it's on a small level or a larger level, change is important. And uh, there's we've made some changes, uh, and there's also other changes that are coming. Uh, we're in prayer and seeking the Lord about, but there's some things that we're dealing with right now uh, one of the things I just I need to kind of take care of a little bit of house business, uh, just to let everybody know we we've we've got a right now New Life Fellowship we're uh, we're pursuing our insurance uh, bill uh, uh, insurance company concerning uh, some damage on our roof and outside. Uh, as well as we've got a serious leak in our fellowship hall, and that's that's been there for some time, but it's actually gotten worse. We we finally got a contractor to come and to uh, is going to be putting a French drain on the west end of our facility here. But I I'm I'm just kind of putting a call out to some men. I need some guys that can help me this week. If you if you have time in the evening, and I'm gonna maybe say like Thursday night, uh, we'd like to pull the carpet out of the fellowship hall. It's about, maybe about uh, less than a quarter of it's been saturated with the water. We've got a crack in our foundation. There's a couple things we're going to do. Actually, we're going to be removing the fireplace and the chimney in the fellowship hall and just basically frame it over and just build a wall there. We're removing the fireplace. There's two reasons why. Number one, it was built wrong. They did not build a cricket on top of it. It's leaking bad. It's, and uh, we, we're just going to tear it down. We don't use it at all. Uh, but secondly, it has a bad leak in there. So we need to, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks when we have our men's breakfast. And, and I could, guys, we could really use your help during that time. But we're going to be tearing the carpet out, and uh, we need to dry it out, and then we need to repair and find where the water's coming in and repair that. But also, we can't put the roof on until that is taken care of. So just to let you know, that's, that's what's up ahead, okay? Uh, the second thing I wanted to talk to you about is why are we making the change with the life groups well, we're, we're doing it, first of all, it's the summer months, so the kids will be out of school, so they won't have to, to go home as, as early if they were in school. So we're going to try it on Wednesday nights for a season. We're still doing the Prosperous Soul. Uh, Carol and I will still have our life groups at our house. Uh, we're also going to be doing various other different activities with our life groups. We want to cultivate relationships. We also, on some Sunday nights, we're going to be reaching out and doing treasure hunts. We're going to be ministering at different places in our community. And uh, how many of you know we need to be salt and light in our world? There going to be opportunities to serve. Uh, uh, also, we're going to be ministering at different places and teaching and preaching. And some of you sharing testimonies we, we could use. You're, if God's given you an amazing testimony, we want to hear about it. By the way, if God works miracles in your life, we want you. We want to hear about it too. How many of you believe the church needs to be just continually uh, sharing what God's doing in our life? By the way, do you know miracles happen every day, all the time in your life? And sometimes we don't even know it's a miracle, but it's a miracle. And uh, so I want to really challenge you to to realize that God is speaking to you, but he's doing miracles. But we're going to be making some changes in our schedule. We're still going to have our prayer and fasting on the first Wednesday night of the month, but we want you to be uh, aware that we're making these changes, and it's, it's going to be good. We, we pray that you can work with us. 
we're going to tweak some things. Uh, this is only going to go through the month of June and July. In August, we'll go back to a, a different schedule. We'll let you know about that. Uh, but uh, we're going to just be making some of these changes and other things coming up a little bit later, which we will tell you about. Amen? Amen. How many of you enjoyed the presence of the Lord so far this morning? How many of you felt God speak to us? Amen. I, I have a... Carol, she's going to come and share here. Okay. Hello. This is an age of technology, and it's very important to be able to get a hold of you all. If we don't have your email address and you would like to receive updates, would you come and see me after church because of our recent issue in the fellowship hall some I wasn't able to get a hold of. Uh, you know, some came last week and heard we were having a, a potluck after church, and, and then the rains came, and then it was uh, very difficult to get a hold of everybody. But if you could come see me, give me your email address or your phone number. If you didn't get that that um, email, come and see me, please, because we want it. We want to have record of you. If you want to know what's going on, we don't want to leave you in the dark. Appreciate that. Praise God. Awesome. Amen. We, we really want to be able to communicate, be in touch with you as well. Praise God. Let's, let's turn on our Bibles just for a few minutes. I want you to jump with me into Galatians chapter 5. And I want to just give you a short little word here. I know our time is going. But I want to talk to you about stewarding your freedom. How many of you are free in Jesus today? Amen. Now, I know that freedom is not just our position in Christ, but God is setting us free every day. Do you know that freedom is also something we grow in? The Bible says for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And freedom is something that uh, someone paid a price for. But God wants us to be free. And one of the ways that God helps us to grow in freedom, by the way, is by allowing you to go through seasons where you're being tested. I didn't realize, I used to, when I was a young man growing up in my own home, uh, I believed uh, that I was free in Jesus. I was saved. I remember I used to fill in my heart, man, I'm so glad I wasn't in the world. I didn't take drugs. I didn't become an alcoholic. I used to say that to myself. And I thought, thank God I didn't do that. And I used to say, thank God I'm free. But then when I got older, and as I began to live life, especially in my high school days, uh, just growing up, I began to realize that I had some real problems. I had some weaknesses and I had issues. And there were things that I fell into bondage into and I, I began to experience shame. And then I began to experience guilt. And then I began to withdraw even as a young man because I didn't know how to deal with certain things that were coming uh, to my attention. And I began to realize I've got bondage in my life. Later on in my life, when I was dating my wife, Carol, and my father-in-law, which he's with the Lord today, but I'll never forget when he told me after three months of dating Carol, I do not want you to date my daughter anymore. And I said, how dare him say that? Because I was a Christian. And he says, it's not God. You need to just go on, Ray, with your life. You're a great young man, but... You are not the will of God for my daughter. Well, guess what that did to me? It began to open my eyes to see when he, when he did that to me, I, I was hurt. But then that hurt turned into anger and that anger turned into bitterness. And then I got angry with God and I got mad at God because I didn't believe that that man had any right to come between me and my girlfriend. By the way, we were old enough to get married, by the way. But, but the Lord used those things to show me, first of all, that I wasn't trusting in him. 
And then the Lord showed me that I had resentment and anger and unforgiveness. And then it began to, I began to see a lot of bondage. And uh, I remember I used to be so excited. I'd, I'd come to church and I'd be in the front row and worshiping God. But after I went through that season in my home church, I gradually made my way and began to sit in the back of the church. And then there was a time for a couple of months where I stopped coming to church altogether. And I began to make excuses because I didn't want to say it. But I was mad at God. I was mad at the world. I was mad at the church. I was mad at the leadership. And the Lord one day spoke to me. He says, Ray, I love you still. And I said, well, I don't know if I love you or not. I actually told God I didn't think I loved him. In fact, I even told God, it's not fair. Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand. We'll pray for you right now. I told God it was not fair. But what it did show... What I went through, it showed me, you know, the Bible says that the tests and trials have a way of revealing what you are and what, where your strength is. The Bible says when trials come, it says that if a man uh, faints in the day of adversity, his strength is small. And I begin to realize, wow, even though I prided myself in being raised in the church. And I used to say, oh, thank God I didn't do drugs and didn't do this and didn't do that. But I had other problems in my life that still would send me to hell, like unforgiveness. Do you know unforgiveness will send you to hell? It will. The Bible says in Ephesians, if you will not forgive, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. I mean, if we hold resentment, unforgiveness can keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. You, you can't say, well, I, I accept Jesus, but I'm not going to forgive. I will not forgive that person. And there's, there's nobody in heaven that has that attitude. The Bible says if you want to em- embrace and experience forgiveness, you must in turn forgive. Jesus taught, taught, taught us that's really important that we understand that. We can't hold that. But that was, that's a form of bondage. I, I, used, to, I used to sing uh, about being free. I'm free in Jesus. Oh, I'm free. But while I was singing the song, in my heart, I wasn't free. I wasn't free from fear. I wasn't free from, here's another one. I wasn't free from having the approval of man. I didn't realize that I had an area in my life I wanted the approval of people. Anybody ever been there? The approval of people. Here's another one. Perfectionism. I'm not happy unless things are perfect. They have to be perfect. You know what's amazing about a a person who has perfectionism? They can never be happy. They're never happy because they always see the minute problems. And they, they can't enjoy life. Now, let's, let's don't go elbowing anybody here right now. Amen. Praise God. Now, that, that's not a license to be sloppy either. But I remember, praise God. <laughs> it's not a license to be sloppy. But, but I know that when the Apostle Paul was speaking to the church at Galatia, he was speaking to a church, was, this was a Gentile church, and he had introduced, he birthed this church, and he began to bring the gospel of the message of grace, that we are saved by grace. And in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, so Christ has made us free. And in the, uh, the King James Version, it says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free. And don't get all tied up in the chains of slavery to Jewish laws or ceremonies. Listen to me, for this is serious, Paul says. If you are counting on circumcision and the keeping of Jewish laws to make you right with God, then Christ cannot save you. I'll say it again. Anyone trying to find favor with God by being circumcised must always obey every other Jewish law or perish. 
Christ is useless to you if you're counting on clearing your debt to God by keeping laws. You are lost from God's grace. Now I'm reading the Living Bible just to let you know that. Verse 6, he goes, But we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, are counting on Christ's death to clear away our sins and to make us right with God. Can you say, Amen? Amen. It goes on here, I'm sorry, verse 6. And we to whom Christ has given eternal life don't need to worry. Turn to your neighbor and say, We're going to stop worrying right now. We're not going to worry anymore. We don't need to worry about whether we have been circumcised or not, not keeping laws, or whether we are obeying Jewish ceremonies or law, laws. All we need is faith working through love. Everyone say, faith working through love. Say that with me. Faith working through love. Freedom starts by you having a revelation of God's love. Really important. Everyone say, faith through love. Because, see, in order for me to steward... Now, Paul is saying it's not enough that I have been set free. Paul is saying you need to stay free. Amen? Everyone say, stay free. Amen. Jesus has died, and he, he made me free. He sent me free. But then Paul says, now, you guys need to stay free. You need to stay free. How many of you know it's possible to fall back into bondage? Here's, here's one way we fall back into bondage, when we stumble, if we sin. Man, I want to tell you right now, I stand before you folks as the chief of sin. I, there have been times in my life, especially in the past, where I sinned so many times that I thought I went beyond the point of no return. And I remember I thought, you know, God, it's, it's no use asking for your grace anymore. I know for Ray Galligan, your grace has run out. And, and, and then the, the, the craziest thing the Lord said, Ray, I'm going to use you as an example, and I'm going to set you in, in, in my house to be a pastor to my people. And I said, why? I'm the chief of sinners, God. He says, that's the reason why I chose you. I'm choosing you not because, Ray, your track record has been perfect. I'm choosing you because your track record was a mess. And so through you, God's mercy and loving kindness can be displayed to people because there are so many people in the body of Christ today that do not believe that God's grace is sufficient. And you know what? The more I've come to grow to know Jesus, and how awesome He is. It's the knowledge of His love and the knowledge of His mercy and the knowledge of who our Heavenly Father is is the thing that transformed my life and gave me what I call keeping power. How many of you would like to be kept from the power of sin? You see, the, the, the thing that keeps you is not trying harder. Oh man, I have made promises to myself. I remember coming before my pastor, Pastor Dick. And I said, Pastor Dick, I promise, oh, I promise that this time I'm going all the way for God. Well, by the time Tuesday came around, <laughs> Pastor Dick, I screwed up again. He said, well, Ray, let's get up again. Let's get up again. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he what? He gets up. I remember, oh, I, I, I hated myself. I was just under such guilt and under such torment. And, and the Lord kept coming back. The Lord kept coming back to me. He says, Ray, the reason why you're still in bondage to a particular issue, a sin, or a problem is because you have not made me great in your eyes. You know what I was doing? I made Ray was making Ray great. Because Ray thought that Ray had to try harder, be better. Ray had to fast more, obey more. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that, that we shouldn't obey. And yes, there is a definite personal responsibility. But the thing that changes lives is that faith works by love. 
And my faith wasn't working by love. It was working by fear. And when you live under fear, let me tell you what the fear, fear of exposure, the fear of rejection, the fear of being found out, the fear of what other people may think. Boy, I was in bondage. I I was one of these church-going kids that was raised in the church. And as I grew up in the church, Ray, even though Ray used to brag about, oh, I didn't smoke, I didn't smoke, I didn't do drinks, I was not in the hippie generation, I didn't smoke heroin, I didn't do all those bad things. But the Lord began to show that, Ray, you're just as bad of a sinner as all the others are. And the Lord really brought me to a point where I had... And now, folks, this is where Paul says in Second Timothy, he says, the law is good. Now, we we need to realize something here. In Galatians, it also says that the law was a schoolmaster to bring me to Christ. I can't be saved through the obedience of the law. But the law is good because it reveals the holiness of God. And it also realizes, it helps me to recognize the depravity of my sin. I had to get to a point where Ray said, I am a broken man. I am a sinner. I don't have any strength in myself. And God, the Holy Spirit would do this. He said, that's exactly where I want you. I want you where you are at the end of yourself. How many of you know my end is his beginning? See, I had never come to the end of myself. I thought I did, but I hadn't. See, I can't really receive grace until I realize I can't do anything in my own strength. And I, th- I, thought, I thought I was trusting God. But here's the beautiful thing about God's grace. While I'm still ignorant in my own process, God's grace is still faithful. He doesn't give up on me even though I'm in my ignorance. He is still faithful to complete what he began. And he will complete it until it is finished. Until you come into that place of understanding of what, he, what it's all about. In the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you know what's so amazing? The things that I used to struggle with are no longer a problem in my life. In fact, grace was so powerful in the New Testament, they actually changed people's names because it reflected the nature of a person being so transformed. You see, that's why I'm a big believer today, that we're not survivors from problems. When, When people say, you know, I'm an alcoholic survivor, I'm a heroin survivor, what they're doing is they're counting all the days they've been clean doing it in their own strength. And they got to stand up in their meetings. I'm an alcoholic. I've been free for three years, and I'm so thankful that I haven't touched a drop. It's all about what I have done. Oh, I'm trusting the Lord. No, that, that, no. see, you're not a survivor. You're an overcomer. And you're an overcomer the day you begin to, by faith, receive grace. You you move into that declaration. See, stewarding freedom doesn't start by trying. Stewarding freedom starts by you realizing you're a son. And Paul, in in the letter to Galatians, makes a distinction between slaves and sons. Jesus, in John chapter 8, says this about a slave. Slaves do not abide in the house. In other words, they don't feel they belong. As a pastor, as a Christian, I've run into so many people. They're profession Christians. They they love the Lord. But they are still a slave to some kind of stronghold or lie in their mind. And they have not come to understand that they have within them an incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, which will not fade away. And that seed, which is God's Word, is what makes them alive. They have the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of resurrection life, is what begins to... Uh, With that anointing, it begins to open my eyes. It opens my heart to see those things that have been freely given to us in Christ. When I begin to confess, 
that I'm an overcomer, even though I was not overcoming, I begin to see something transform. I begin to confess, I am an overcomer. I am free for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, my head was saying, you liar, you liar, you liar, you liar. But the Word of God says, no, for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You see, there is a contradiction. There is a battle that every believer must confess. You must confront the facts of your own defeat with the reality of the Word of God and put put the Word of God against the facts of your own defeat and let God be the winner. When God told Abraham, from now on, you are the father of many nations. You are no longer Abram, but Abraham. The letter H, as he would confess what God told him his new name would be. What it was doing, it was the Holy, the Holy Spirit, even in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would begin to activate and begin to release an anointing that would begin to bring transformation even in their physical bodies. How many of you know the reason why we, God wants us to confess the Word? Let me tell you, this is really important. A lot of Christians don't believe in the power of praise, the power of worship. Do you know why we want you to lift your hands and worship? It isn't to impress us. The reason why God wants you to confess is because your mind is such a stronghold. And there are thoughts and sometimes there's lies in that mind. And when you begin to confess what does not agree with your mind, it is the power of your confession that changes your mind. When you begin to say, I am a man of God. Yeah, but my mind says, I don't feel like a man of God. But you start saying, I am a man of God. I am saved. I am an overcomer. I am not going back to where I was. I'm speaking to this mountain. Do you know what happens? When you speak what you don't believe up here, it changes you. That's why God... Says Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, For what we, because we believe, we speak. The spirit of faith speaketh on this wise. See, stewarding my freedom starts with my identity, but then it's secondly, I'm declaring it. I'm declaring it. I declare to my wife, she's a mighty woman of God. I'm declaring to my sons, they're mighty men of God with an amazing future. And guess what happens when you confess and you declare? They become what you confess. Do you know why? Because you, all of you, are created in God's image. And in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Do you know the devil wants you to think that you have no power in your word? Stewarding my freedom understands the weapons God's given me. He's, he's put a word in your mouth. He's put a word on your tongue. You begin to confess. You begin to speak those things. Mountains have to move. And I've seen that happen. Notice what the Apostle Paul here goes on to say. And coming on down, he says this. He says, and he's, he's, he's dealing with some false teachers also. He says, verse 7, you're getting along so well. But who has interfered with you to hold you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God who has done it, for he who is the one who has called you to freedom is Christ. But it only takes one wrong person among to infect all the others. Listen to what he's saying here. Do you know that hanging around some people who are under legalism can affect your freedom? Paul is saying that if you have relationship, you're in a relationship, friendship, you're around people that are under legalism, it can rob your freedom. Paul even goes on here to say that I am being persecuted because the gospel message, the message of freedom brings persecution. Do you know why it brings persecution? It brings, doesn't bring persecution from the world. It brings persecution from people who have a religious spirit. Because people that have a religious spirit, they want 
to stay in a place. Religious spirits, they find comfort in being religious because it's not about what Jesus did on the cross. It's about what they are doing to obtain righteousness in their own strength so they can prove to God, I'm humble. I've sacrificed, I've worked hard, I served on the Sunday school board, I sacrificed, I gave so much money to that mission field, and look what I did, God! It's called self-righteousness. And God doesn't like that stuff. But when we come and say, you know, Lord, it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, I identify with Him in His death, burial, and... Christ, it's what you did on the cross. It's what you did that makes... How many of you know that under the new covenant, the Father didn't make a covenant with you. The Father made a covenant with His Son. You and I are the ones who get to come in and reap the benefits. See, the reason why the Father made a covenant with His Son is because we don't keep the law. Jesus kept the law to the letter, and when he died, the sacrifice was accepted. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples one day? He says, don't rejoice that, that, that just, uh, he says, don't rejoice only that your names are written in the book of life, but he says, rejoice because I go to the Father. What is he, what was he saying there? What he was saying is because the reason why you need to rejoice because I'm going to the Father is because it means that the Father accepted the sacrifice. The Father accepted it. And when Jesus was accepted, that means all of you were accepted. The punishment of sin was paid for. That means you and I are unpunishable. We can't be punished anymore. So why are you punishing yourself? Why are you defeating yourself? Why are you canceling yourself out when Jesus has already taken the full punishment, not only for your sins from the past, but present and even future things or blunders you might make? He paid it all. Now, does that mean that I can now go out and continue in sin? No, God forbid. Why would we want to? Why would we want to go back to the pig pen after Jesus paid a price, raised us, put robes of righteousness, cleansed us, made you kings and priests. Why would we want to go back to the pig pen of sin? But the Bible says that if we sin, we have an advocate, the Father. My Bible says, he who has been born of God cannot sin. Now that's important you understand. Now that doesn't mean I can't, that I couldn't. It means that you, you cannot do it willfully or willingly. Yeah, today, after church, if Ray Galligan wanted to, Ray Galligan could go out and make some dumb choices, and I could go out and screw my life after church, and I could get into sin, I could fall on my face. Now, I still believe the Lord would pick me up because He's a God of restoration, but I'm going to suffer some consequences. There are consequences to choices, but that doesn't mean that He would not seek to restore me. He still loves me. A lot of us today, some of us, we bear the marks of some consequences of our sin. One thing he does, he does forgive and he restores and even restores the years that the canker wormeth eaten. But there are some consequences that we will bear. Those things are not taken away. But the Apostle Paul here goes on here to say, verse 13, I see my time is gone. For dear brothers, you have been given freedom. Everyone say freedom. Not freedom to do wrong, but freedom to love and to serve each other. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love others as you love yourself. But instead of showing love among yourselves, you are always critical and catty. Watch out. Beware of ruining each other. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instruction. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to. For we naturally love to do evil things that are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And the good things we want to do when the Spirit has His way with us are just the opposite of our natural desires. These two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to win control over us. And our wishes are never free from their pressures. 
When you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you need no longer force yourself to obey Jewish laws. But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, you will live, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, encouraging the activity of demons, hatred, fighting, jealousy, anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, uh, um, complaints, criticism, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. And there will be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all the sort of thing which I've told you before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And here there is no conflict with Jewish laws. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to the cross and have crucified them there. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Amen. Then we won't need to look for honors and popularity, which lead to jealousy and hard feelings. I'm just going to close it right there because... The Apostle Paul says that we have a choice to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Even though we have been granted the grace to be sons and daughters, I want everyone to know that freedom means this. You have been given authority and you have power to make the right choice. And if you do make the wrong choice, I want you to know there is grace where the Father will pick you up and He will forgive and He will wash you. But the more you are exposed, and this is so important, my freedom, stewarding my freedom means that I am continually feeding on His faithfulness. I'm feeding my mind. I'm continually feeding and I'm in fellowship with brothers and sisters that are encouraging and lifting me up. I want to tell you, even as a pastor, there's been times where I've been discouraged and I've been down. I'll come to Pastor John Stanson. I'll tell you, John Stanson is the most positive guy on the planet. This guy, if you ever discouraged, that guy has the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, I've, I've gone to John and I said, John, I just go walking through the fire. And John always says that, always tells me this. Sometimes I don't like to hear it, but he'll say it. He says, Ray, it's all going to work out. I wasn't looking for that kind of an answer. But you know what? It gets... See, now I needed that. I needed that accountability. Do you know that there's no such thing as loners in the kingdom of God? No such thing as a loner. And you may say, well, pastor, I'm kind of a loner. Well, if you're a loner, the Bible says he's going to have friends. What? Has to show himself friendly. Now, one of the things about relationships... We have to be open for God to use other people to speak into our lives, don't we? Do you know why God puts brothers and sisters around you? Because you don't have all the answers. And if, if you are so narrow-minded and you're so isolated on a pet way of thinking or a pet doctrine, and you, I'm not going to let anybody talk to me, I'm not going to let anybody change me, you're in a dangerous place. Because if you go back into the Bible, you begin to study how people fall into deception. The devil loves to get people alone. The reason the Bible says there is safety in the multitude of counsel. I need, Pastor Ray needs counsel. Oh, Pastor, I am so glad I got brothers, I got fathers, I got men around me all the time. And I want it. I need it. Because if you don't have accountability, you can get off course. But when you're by yourself, you'll find your, you will find any time in the Bible where men were by themselves. Remember when David fell with Bathsheba? He was by himself. He was supposed to be going to battle when the kings went to war. But David, just, David was successful. And in the time of his success, he decided to stay home. Instead of going to battle. And guess what happened? He got in trouble. 
He wasn't staying focused. He wasn't staying busy. You know why we lose our freedom? It's because in our times of success, we get sloppy and we get careless. Stewarding freedom means, first of all, I'm a son. And God honors me as sons. He's released spiritual authority. Number two, my freedom comes as I begin to declare over my life and over my family. I begin to set the course by declarations that God has given me, promises He's, he's given me. But thirdly, my freedom also comes as I'm accountable and I'm right, re, rightly related with other brothers and sisters in the body. By the way, church, the church is not just a group of people gathering on Sundays. We are a family. We're a fam- Everyone say Family. And if, if you're not connected somehow with uh, people that are connected to you, and, and I'm, I'm so glad somebody's coming up to me. And I mean, here, here come up here. Uh, uh, come up here. Um, Dwight, Dwight, I got to get to Come here, Dwight. Sometimes he'll say, Pastor Ray, I need to talk to you. He does this sometimes, don't you? Mm-hmm. Pastor Ray, I need, I need to talk to you right now. And I said, oh, Okay. And he says, Ray, we need to do this and this and that. And you know what? Thank God for Dwight talking to me. Because if I wouldn't listen to him, I'm going to get in trouble. And this guy has saved me some real headaches. And I am so grateful that this man speaks into my life. I need that. You know, he may say, oh, Pastor Ray, you really would listen to Dwight? Yes, I do. I want to listen to this. This guy has wisdom. He has gifts and skills and understanding I don't have. So I need him. And you see, I, I, I would never say, right, I want to tell you right now, you're, you're, you're talking to Pastor Ray right now, and you better respect me. Well, that, that's not the attitude we have here. But, but I, I so appreciate my brother. And give Dwight a hand here, praise God. I love I love Dwight. He's my brother. He is my friend. But I'll tell you, he has spoken to, into my heart. We, we, need to, we need to take care of some things here. And I need that. And we need, need each other. And you know why? Because Dwight cares about my freedom. He cares about my... How many of you know we, we need other eyes and we need other ears and we need brothers and sisters? But when you isolate yourself and you walk alone, then what's going to happen... And that's why God, God says that He sets the solitary in families. God never intended for you to be alone. He wants you to be around people. Now, let me tell you one last thing. You don't want to just gather around people who tell you what you want to hear. I've done that before. I like you because you, 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 you just tell me what I want to hear. I, I, I don't want to go around Pastor. I don't want to go around John Stanson. He... He, he doesn't say what I want him to say. See, that's dangerous. There's, I've, had, I've had people, uh, I like you, fr- you're my friends because you tell me what I want to hear. So that's, that's one of the big pitfalls, by the way, in high school. A lot of kids in high school, grade school, they think they have friends because it's all about flattery. You're my friend because you're on my side. But the day you're not on my side, you're my enemy. Say, and, and that's the danger. But when young people grow up, they begin to realize that sometimes the people that love you the most may be the people. The Bible says, I love what Proverbs says. David said this. He says that, um, let the righteous smite me, for there's healing in the blueness of the wound. Sometimes somebody might smite me and say something that's strong. Because it's getting my attention. The Holy Spirit's using a person. And it might might hit me like a wound. But in the long run, it kept me from a catastrophe. It kept me from a problem. Now, I I want us to say that we need to be loving. And we always need to be encouraging. We're not ever to be critical and negative with people. But but we need to be loving. And by the way, I also want to say, you need to earn, earn the right to speak into people's lives. We don't go around just saying, you know, I see faults in you and I'm, I'm here to correct you in Jesus' name and throw some Bible verses at them. You're not going to go anywhere. 
you have to earn the right to speak into someone's life. And you also do not have the right to tell people that they don't have faith unless you've walked in their shoes. I've, I've seen people come up to people. You know what, pal? You know, somebody, if you really had faith, man, you would do certain things. Well, if you've never been in their shoes, you should keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't you start preaching faith at people. Remember, there was a woman, loved her to death, Mrs. Mary Flores, years ago. She, she won her bout with cancer in the, in the beginning, 15 years prior to her death. The Lord miraculously healed Mary Flores, a, an awesome woman of God. 15 years later, the cancer came back in her blood system. And within just a couple of months, uh, the Lord uh, allowed her. She went home to be with the Lord. But there was a couple of people that wrote these little cards. If you really had faith, Mary, you'd pop out of that bed and believe God. Such, that's, that's foolishness. You have no right to say those things, especially if you've not been in her shoes. And if anything, she was one of the greatest testimonies of faith. In fact, I'll never forget, this, this is what she actually told me one week before she, she passed away. She says, Ray, I know what you're up here for. You're up here to anoint me with oil and to pray for me. But this is what she said. I've never actually ever had anybody tell me this before. But she says, I don't want you to pray for my healing because God's already healed me. But I want you to pray that the Lord will take me quickly because I'm ready to go home be, be with the Lord. That really hit me. She said, God's already healed me. Now, the, the diagnosis was the cancer was getting worse, but she in her heart knew she was free. She was, the Lord had strengthened her. And uh, that really impacted me. You know, New Life, we need to know how, we, know, we need to know how to work with each other. We need to know how to respect one another. We need to know how to honor each other. Let's don't be so quick to draw judgments when we see people fail or they're sick or we don't think they're up to par where we think, where we think they should be. You haven't been in their shoes. And we need to learn to honor them and speak life to them, speak promise to them, and believe in God with them. Amen? We need to always do that because that's what Jesus does with us. Stewarding our freedom means that we're taking responsible choices and being responsible, but also we're walking with that sense of honor and that sense of empowerment that His grace continually pours into our life. He's a God who believes in us. He stands with us, and He will never forsake us. And so that's, that's something that all of us need to have. Amen? When there's people around you that are failing, you see them in bondage, Show them that you believe in them. Let them know I'm standing with you. You are a winner. You're making it. They need to hear that. That's what they need. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Maybe this morning you may just say, you know, Pastor Ray, I know there's levels of his glory, God's glory and his righteousness, not his righteousness, but levels of glory and, and transformation he's bringing me into. And I just, I just need that impartation of faith this morning. I know the Lord's been bringing some changes. He's been working in my life. But maybe this morning you feel like you've just kind of been stuck in a particular place in your life. And maybe it's fear. Maybe there's, just, maybe there's been a lie in your, in your mind that the enemy has tried to hold you back. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand. If you feel like you've been stuck in your own faith, just raise your hand this morning. I want to pray with you. Amen. Anyone else? Okay, I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Can we stand to our feet? Amen. I believe the Lord is going to continue to work in all of us. 
You know, in the, in the next couple of months, we're going to be in seasons of prayer like this Wednesday night. We're going to be in seasons of prayer seeking the Lord. I, I want you to expect, I want you to expect to hear from God. God's going to be speaking to you in dreams. He's going to be speaking to you. The Lord really showed me that there's a greater anointing coming on, on this congregation. And the purpose of that anointing is to begin to open your eyes to not only how the Lord wants to use you, but how he wants to change the environment around you. You are a history maker. But turn to your neighbor and just say, you make a difference. What did you do? The, turn to your neighbor. You're making a difference. You're making a big difference. Nathan, you're making a difference. David, you're making a difference. Dana, an awesome difference. Praise God. Mary, a difference. James, you're making a difference in the kingdom. Amen. And and all of you are. And, and God's doing such an amazing thing. I am so proud of you guys. I really am. I'm so proud of you guys. You're awesome. Let's just take each other by the hand, shall we? I want to I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit will continue to unite our hearts in the love of God. Amen. Paul says, though I have faith to move mountains, and I have the ability to prophesy, and I can teach, and I can do many things, and I can be like a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, but if I have no love, I am nothing. So this, this morning, we're going to pray the Lord will baptize us love, but baptize us with the ability to convey and empower others around us in the love of God. Amen. Father, we pray. We thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. Lord, we thank you that you are the shepherd of our soul. And Lord, you have come this morning, Lord, to arouse and awaken, Lord, that freedom that you've given us through Jesus. Lord, you've delivered us, not just from the devil and not just from sin, but you've delivered us from ourselves. You've delivered us, Lord, from us trying to find that place of righteousness in our own strength. Lord, you've delivered us. You've set us free from our own fears and from strongholds or lies that we believed. And Lord, you've transformed us, Lord, translated us into the kingdom of your dear Son, reconciling us, Lord, to the Father through Jesus. Lord, you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, Lord, as we steward our freedom, as, Lord, we continue in our relationship, in our faith walk with you, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, not on our world, not on things around us or our own progress, but to keep our eyes on you. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give someone a hug this morning. Tell them you love them. And...